Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, August 5th, 2022. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and as always, if you're listening to this, that means you made it through another week and margaritas are in order. And every week that I say that, I try to give you a reason to go get some margaritas, and when we get into the dog days of summer and there's not a lot going on, and there are not a lot of reasons, you know, it's not Father's Day, it's not Mother's Day, it's not Halloween weekend, it's not this, it's not that... I have to get creative. So my excuse for you to go get margaritas this week are as follows. August means that school starts, preseason football starts, and it is my wife's birthday month. So uh, the fact that we're into August is reason enough to go get yourself a pitcher of margaritas. I don't care if that doesn't make sense. It works for me. Go get a fucking pitcher of margaritas. If you follow me on social media and you know my wife, Renee, uh, you get ready to wish her a happy bir- birthday in late August. Uh, her birthday is August 25th, and uh, you can do the math yourself, but this will be the 18th consecutive year that my wife has turned 29. Uh, so happy birthday month to my wife, Renee, and uh, now i got to figure out what to get her. And I told her. I I believe I expressed this to her that, you know, these, you know, this isn't a big one. Like she didn't turn 40. She's not turning 50. It's not our 25th wedding anniversary. Those are the ones where we're going to spend a little bit more money. These average birthdays and anniversaries in between, eh, we're going to celebrate. We're not going to go. We're not going to go apeshit. You know what I mean? Let me just put it to you this way for my wife who's listening. You're going to get something for your birthday, as you do every year, uh, but I highly doubt that it's going to be something that was dug out of the earth, polished, and set. I'm just saying. Lower your expectations. <laughs> Everybody's like, damn, does that woman expect jewelry all the time? No, not even close. Not even close. As a matter of fact, I once got her an emerald necklace, and she said, I just wanted pajamas. She does not want a ton of jewelry. She's not a high-maintenance wife. But I just want to set that expectation out there early and often. You're going to get a gift, but it's not going to be something that was clutched uh, from the bowels of the earth and is extraordinarily high in value. You know, just so that we're all on the same page. Uh, Anyway, uh, before we get into the news stories of the week, uh, some housekeeping, as I do every week, For the people that are finding me for the very first time, Um, if you're listening to me for the first time, a couple of things that you need to know about myself and this podcast are as follows. One, this is not a professional podcast. I'm not a podcaster, quote unquote. I, uh, I, I am doing this out of my home office with a $100 mic I bought on Amazon and my laptop, which is now going on five years old. Uh, I do this for free uh, because I have fun doing it. And it gives me an outlet for all the shit that's in my head. Now, if somebody wants to sponsor me, I'm not going to say no. If somebody wants to pick the show up, I'm not going to say no. I'm actually uh, discussing with somebody else the possibility of starting an additional podcast where we both are hosts. There will be a couple of hosts and play off each other. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Anyway, the point of this warning to the people who are finding me for the first time is you're going to hear some background noise here. 
This is not a polished, finished product. You're going to hear my dogs bark or my kid come in and ask me a question. You're going to hear me burp. You're going to hear the fan in the back window. Uh, it's meant to be like two people sitting on the deck shooting the shit. So just roll with the background noises when you hear it. The second thing I would tell you if you're finding me for the first time is that you probably don't know anything about my website unless you found me through my website. And if you uh, have a moment, I'd like for you to swing by the website and check it out. That's oldhippymedia.com. Oldhippie, H-I-P-P-I-E, media.com. Uh, I've done some work to it recently to kind of spruce it up and reorganize it. Uh, when you go to Old Hippie Media, you're going to find everything you want to know about me, so to speak. You're going to find my blog. You're going to find a link to my merch store. I have over 400 items to choose from. You're going to find <clears throat> a link on where you can buy my first two books uh, entitled A Grateful Life and Dearest Renee, available in paperback and ebook formats. You're going to find a link to my Patreon subscription service. If you like this podcast, which is free and airs every Friday, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to uh, uh, want to check out my Patreon, which is where I do bonus podcast episodes that can only be heard on Patreon every other Tuesday uh, for $4.20 a month. You're going to find a link on where you can book me on Cameo. <clears throat> you're going to find a link to my YouTube. Um, and you're going to find a link on where you can uh, support me. Uh, people have been telling me, well, you know what? You've never monetized your platforms. Why not? And I said, I'm not asking people to send me money. Well, I put it up on my uh, website uh, this past week. All of my cash uh, app Venmo shit and... The one that everybody's been asking for, not everybody, but the, the, the most questions I get about how, you know, how can I send you something? How can I send you something? You don't have an Amazon wish list? Yeah, I got a shit ton of Amazon, Amazon wish lists. I just don't make any of them permanent. Or uh, permanent. Public. God damn, permanent. What the fuck is wrong with you, Tom? Snap into it. Well, I, I have. I've made a public Amazon wish list. It still seems weird to just put a wish list out there and think that fucking strangers that have never met you are just going to send you something off of your wish list. So I made sure to put a bunch of high price items on there just to test everybody. Weed out everybody. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, listen, I don't know what the fuck. I've never had people send me shit in the mail and I don't have people just randomly tipping me for what I do. But people keep telling me, you should, you should at least be getting tips for the content you make. You're working and, and I, it doesn't feel like work. And you're not getting paid any money. Well, you want to send something that's all set up there. You want to buy something off the list and send it. I'm not going to fucking argue anymore. It's all there, uh, er, along with everything else on the website. Once again, that's oldhippymedia.com, oldhippymedia.com. Or you could go to any one of my social media sites and uh, click on the Beacons link, and you're going to see a whole bunch of other uh, uh, links that you're not even going to find on the website, such as where I've uh, links on where I've appeared on other podcasts. I have, I believe, four or five links on my Beacon page on where I've appeared uh, on other podcasts for you to enjoy. So anyway, uh, that's oldhippymedia.com or the link in my bio on any one of my social media sites. I thank you guys in advance for all the support that you already do offer and for uh, the fact that you continue to listen to this show. Uh, I truly do appreciate it. Having said that, let's put all of that shit to the side. Uh, let's not turn the podcast into one big advertisement for me. And let's go ahead and dive into uh, the stories this week. And it's going to be a bit of a change. I'm going to end this podcast this week with a non-political, um, not a story, but just kind of a, uh, 
a conversation about what time of year it is uh, and, and what we do at this time of year. But first, we, we do have the typical news stories that we need to discuss. And we really do need to begin uh, in Indiana with um, Representative Jackie Walorski of Indiana's 2nd Congressional District, who just this week uh, passed away in a car uh, uh, crash along with two of her staffers. Uh, she was 58 years old, and it, at the end of the day, if there's one thing that aging has changed about me, it's that you don't want to wish harm on anybody. And even though somebody might be on the polar opposite of you, politically speaking, you don't wish this on anybody. And there, there, there needs to be a point where we don't look at the R and the D after their name, and we just look at the fact that they were a fucking person with a family and friends and co-workers. She had family that woke up one day and knew a world with her and went to bed that day in a world where she was no longer there. And that is just hard to swallow for anybody. So to the family and friends of uh, Indiana Representative Jackie Walorski, you have our family's condolences. I, I, I don't offer thoughts and prayers because I'm an atheist. My wife would offer prayers uh, as that she's a believer. I, I, you have my condolences. I, I can't imagine what you're going through, uh, through and I'm terribly sorry um, to hear of your loss. Uh, it's it's never something that, that anybody should uh, revel in or take joy in. And I say those words because I've seen people uh, damn near celebrating it on Twitter, saying vile and disgusting things. Well, there's, there, there's one down. No. No. She was a person. You might have vehemently disagreed with every single position that person ever took in the, in, the, in the world but she was still a person so to the Walorski family and friends once again you have our condolences I am, I am terribly sorry to hear about your loss there really is no way of segueing out of that so I'm not even going to try, and we're just going to jump right into the next news story, which is actually non-political in and of itself. Uh, I just wanted to touch on it briefly. It's actually a little bit of movie news, if I could, please. Um, an interesting piece of movie news, but first, a disturbing piece of movie news. They're remaking Roadhouse. <clears throat> you know uh, Roadhouse. Uh, Patrick Swayze was a bouncer at a bar called uh, the, the Double Deuce in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, rough and tumble, punch em out movie. Roadhouse. Everybody knows it, right? Well, they're remaking it. Uh, uh, it's to be set in the Florida Keys, and it will be filmed in the Dominican Republic. So there's a spin on its location, obviously. And uh, the main character, Dalton, will be played by Jake Gyllenhaal. 
just stop it. Could, could you just stop it? Not every fucking movie that was ever made needs to be remade. And if you are going to be uh, remake one of the movies, at least do it decently. Jake Gyllenhaal? I mean, he's a fine actor and all, but not exactly the swayziest, if you know what I mean. But for every idiotic movie uh, uh, that comes out of Hollywood, for every idiotic idea that comes out of Hollywood, we have a good idea. And uh, the good this week would be that Michael Keaton will reprise his role as Batman in the new Flash movie. Uh, Michael Keaton last played Batman in 1989, 32 years ago. So I am really looking forward to seeing how that one plays uh, with an elderly Batman. And I mean not elderly like an 80-year-old dude looking like one of the superheroes from fucking Spongebob or nothing like that. But he's going to be an older Batman. And, and the idea was to play an older Batman in this movie when you go read some of the articles. So that's going to be interesting. Michael Keaton, in my world, was the first true Batman, right? I grew up... Uh, watching some of the Batman uh, uh, TV show with Adam West, but on the big screen was Michael Keaton. So it's going to be interesting to see him reprise that role. I'm looking forward to that. Not looking forward to the remake of Roadhouse. Hollywood needs to stop that shit. And that's all of the movie news I have for you this week. Now we got to turn our sights, as we always do, to the world of politics and in the world of politics, I don't know where else we begin this week uh, other than the extraordinarily, insanely bad week that Alex Jones has had. I, this man is fucking up fast and picking up steam. Right? Uh, he is an out-of-control train wreck. He's already been found guilty in his trial with the Sandy Hook parents over the fact that he consistently has said that they're paid actors and that Sandy Hook never happened and their child never died and yada, yada, yada. He's already been found guilty of all of that bullshit. This part of the trial, this phase of the trial, is to determine how much money he actually owes those families. Now, Jones told the jury this week because the trial has wrapped up... Closing arguments have been made. Now it's just down to the decision-making part uh, uh, for the jury. Jones told the jury this week that any settlement they awarded to these parents over $2 million would sink him permanently. The family that's suing him is seeking $150 million. Kind of a big discrepancy there, Alex. During the trial, he's lied, he's made an ass out of himself, and seems to have hired the worst legal team known to man, as it was discovered this week that they accidentally sent the prosecution a digital copy of his entire phone, including every text message he sent over the last two years. In fact, that was revealed in court because that's how prosecutors were able to determine that his sworn deposition testimony was a lie. He, he had said in his deposition testimony that he had no text messages on his phone regarding Sandy Hook 
that he looked at his phone and he did a search in the text message section for Sandy Hook and nothing came up. And then he turned his phone over to the uh, lawyers. And when the lawyers accidentally sent that information over to the prosecution, it shows that he did, in fact, have a fuck ton of text messages concerning Sandy Hook, as well as several other things, you know, like January 6th. Hold that thought for just a moment. The prosecution, as it is their responsibility to do, informed the defense counsel that they had accidentally sent this information to them. And Alex Jones's defense attorneys never made an attempt to protect it in any way, shape, or form. They never said, that's, that's privileged communications, and you were not meant to have that. None of that. They made no attempts. And so the appropriate amount of time came and went, and it became their information to do with what they want. Uh, one of my mutuals on TikTok uh, pointed out the fact that the prosecution could, if they wanted to, post that shit all over Facebook today, and they would be within their legal rights to do so. An interesting part about what happened this week was that under cross-examination, he actually admitted that Sandy Hook was 100% real. Alex Jones ended up saying it was 100% real. Now, he then went on to say, and the media continued to lie and say that I said it wasn't. Yeah, motherfucker, because you said it wasn't. You said it was a hoax. You said you don't know how anybody could possibly believe it. You said the parents in Sandy Hook were crisis actors. You said that it never fucking happened. And now that you've been found guilty and we're just getting down to the point of determining how much money you're going to have to cough up, now you say it's 100% real. Too late. Too fucking late. You are going down and you will die penniless. And on top of all of those problems that he can't get out of right now because he is fucked, my friends. I mentioned earlier that he's got a shitload of text messages about January 6th on his phone. And now the January 6th committee is preparing to subpoena those records to get those text messages and those digital copies out of the hands of the prosecution and into the hands of January 6th. It's not going to be too much longer before his ass is new mown grass on the federal level in this entire deal. He is fucked. Fucked. Alex Jones, as you know him, is over. Infowars, as you know it, is over. His lies, as you know it, are done. He's going to wind up owing people more money than he will ever be able to make in his lifetime. No matter what he does, no matter what he owns, no matter where he goes, he will have liens placed against everything he ever buys in his entire life and everything he ever makes in his entire life. And then, after all of that, he's still going to have to go deal with the January 6th committee and whatever charges the DOJ decides to hand down on his ass when they find out what he was involved with when it comes to January 6th. Alex Jones is... Fucked. Period. Speaking of being fucked and having a bad week, we now turn our sights, uh, our attention and our sights to Darren Bailey, Republican candidate for governor in Illinois. Because my man really fucked up back in 2017 on, uh, on a video that has now surfaced and is... Uh, 
causing him a bit of agita in his attempt to gain the governor's mansion here in the, the great state of Illinois. First, let me read for you the exact quote that was said. There's no reason beating around the bush on this one. You just go right to the quote. Quote, I believe that abortion is one of the greatest atrocities of our day, and I believe it's one of the greatest atrocities probably forever. The attempted extermination of the Jews in World War II doesn't even compare on a shadow of the life that has been lost with abortion since its legalization. End quote. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of Darren Bailey's campaign. It's the end of his campaign. He is going to, I've said before this quote, he's going to lose by a minimum of 13. This is a man who wants to carve Chicagoland out of Illinois and make it the 51st state. This is a man who literally sued J.B. Pritzker to open up the state of Illinois early while we were still in the pandemic. This is a man who cheers the overturning of Roe v. Wade. This is a man who holds Trump's endorsement and appeared with Trump, I believe, on a stage in southern Illinois uh, to get said endorsement. And now he's comparing a medical procedure to the attempted extermination of an entire class of people, an entire group of people. This dude is so fucked in this state, it's not even close to being funny. 13 is what I said before this quote. He's going to lose by a minimum of 13. <clears throat> Darren Bailey might lose by a minimum of 16 to 20 points at this point in time. Each and every one of those negatives that I listed for you is a major negative with the majority of people in this state. And keep in mind, the majority of people in this state live here in the Chicagoland area. 9.1 million of the 12.2 million people that are in this state are in the Chicagoland area. And they don't play uh, uh, trying to carve them out of the state of Illinois and make them their own state. They don't play uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. They don't play getting endorsements by Trump. They don't play trying to open the fucking state back up during a global pandemic. And they sure as fuck aren't going to play with this Holocaust uh, comparison. He's fucked. Fucked. He is going to lose... How did, how did Trump say it? He's going to lose huge. He's going to lose like nobody's ever lost before. It, nobody's ever seen it, anything like it before. He's going to lose by, by at least 16 points. You watch. People are saying it's going to happen. I don't do impressions uh, very well. Uh, unless, of course, you're talking about Donald Duck. In which case, I could do a little bit of Donald Duck. That's about all I can do. Otherwise, it's my fucking voice you're going to hear. I don't do impressions. Correction, I can do a good southern impression. Because I do have ties to southern areas. So I, I can turn on a little bit of twang any damn time I feel like, you know what I'm saying? By God, I'll tell you something. If you don't fucking stop, I'm going to be on you like patting for a dance, all right? I'm going to mop the floor with your ass and then whoop it for not getting up in the corners. I can do southern. I just can't do anything else. Anyway, the point to that story is that Bailey's going to lose, and he's going to lose big. Personally, I think the Republicans are going to lose big anyway, and they're not helping their cause any. Case in point, the PACT Act, 
You guys have heard about the PACT Act in the news over the last week. That was the the bill uh, to help veterans who have been exposed to burn pits in war zones uh, dating all the way back to the Vietnam War. And the vote passed with 84 votes. 84 people out of 100 in the Senate voted for this. Those are numbers you don't ever see. And then... Uh, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin, who is extraordinarily conservative and usually blocks things that Republicans want to have blocked, uh, made a deal with Chuck Schumer on uh, a couple of different bills, and the Republicans threw a hissy fit. And because the House had to correct the technicality in the bill and it had to come back to the Senate to be voted on a second time, the bill actually failed to pass. It only got 54 votes. And then all of the senators on the Republican side that changed their mind and voted no the second time went before the cameras and lied and said it was because of an additional $400 billion, which it wasn't. They said it was because it was a $400 billion slush fund. It wasn't. They said it was because of a Democratic uh, accounting trick. It wasn't. It was because they're pissed off at Joe Manchin about two other deals that they're going to lose. And so they voted no on it. So... Chuck Schumer brought it back up for a vote a second time after the backlash was heard nationwide. And while it got 84 votes the first time, it got 86 votes the second time. Interesting. What changed? Because nothing in the bill changed. Not one fucking thing. From the time it got 54, 55 votes to the time it got 86 votes, not a fucking word changed. Not a comma, not a period, not an exclamation point, not a fucking word. My guess is some veterans got to some Republicans and really told them what's what. But at the end of the day, it passed. Now, it's important to understand there were still no votes on that measure. There were 11 no votes. Those 11 no votes, Mitt Romney, Rand Paul, Mike Crapo, James Lankford, Mike Lee, Cynthia Loomis, James Risch, Richard Shelby, Pat Toomey, Tommy Tuberville, and Tom Tillis. All Republicans. All of them Republicans. Rand Paul even argued that there was no way to know if some of the more common ailments being addressed, like hypertension, were actually the result of one's military service. He actually stood on the floor of the Senate and said, well, this bill includes giving veterans uh, expanded care for hypertension. Well, how do we know that their hypertension was a result of the war, uh, of their exposure to this, of their exposure to that? Hypertension is an extraordinarily common ailment across the country. Are you fucking kidding me? Who fucking cares if it's a result of their military service? They're a veteran. They've lived up to their end. They've paid their bill. They did what you asked them to do. They did what you asked them to do, and they did it partially based on the promises you made to take care of them. The promises, fuck that. The promises we all made to take care of them. We as a society tell the men and women in our military, listen, 
You put on the uniform, you fly across the country, you put yourself in harm's way, and you do it to protect us. And in return, we'll take care of you when you come home, and then we never fucking do. On both sides of the aisle historically, both Democrats and Republicans have fucked over the veterans forever. In this particular instance, we're talking about Republicans because they're the only ones that oppose this measure. All 11 votes Republican. I don't fucking care if uh, Bob Smith from Vietnam's uh, 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 hypertension is a result of his exposure to anything in Vietnam or not. He's a veteran. You give him the care he needs. Period. End of fucking story. There is no but. There is no but. How do we find out if this is from there? How do we know this is connected with that? I don't fucking care. They served our country. You fucking take care of them. The fact that bills like this even need to be negotiated, even need to be debated, is a grotesque display of our ignorance. We have a massive midterm coming up in November. I want you to remember these fucking names. Now, not everybody on this list is up for re-election this November, and not everybody on this list is even going to run for re-election. But sooner or later, some, if not a lot, of these people <clears throat> are going to be seeking re-election, and I want you to remember their names and this vote. I'll read them again. Mitt Romney, Rand Paul, Mike Crapo, James Lankford, Mike Lee, Cynthia Loomis, James Rich, Richard Shelby, Pat Toomey, Tommy Tuberville, and Tom Tillis. Every fucking one of them deserves to lose their job. Every fucking one of them. If, if, we can't, as a society, live up to our words. Then what the fuck good are we? We take Social Security and Medicare out of people's checks uh, with the understanding that when it's their turn to sit down and retire, the next generation of workers are going to do the same for them that uh, we did for the people that were already sitting down and retired ahead of us. There, there's, there, we have a deal. We gave our word. <clears throat> you're going to have a Social Security check. You're going to have medical coverage. We gave our word to these soldiers. You go put your life in harm's way. You put on the uniform. You get shot at. We'll take care of you. Got to live up to our words. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of empty promises. It's just a bunch, bunch of mouth service. Those 11 no votes should never win another election for any position anywhere in this country. And if you go to my TikTok page, yesterday I did a video detailing their hollow words towards the veterans. Each and every one of them are featured in that video. You should go find it and watch it. 
Now, speaking of no votes, we had an actual uh, positive no vote this week, and one <clears throat> that I think was A, amazing, B, uh, unforeseen, and C, a harbinger of things to come. Folks in Kansas flocked to the polls to vote no on banning abortion in their state. And I am flabbergasted by that. Flabbergasted. On Tuesday, when voters rejected an amendment that would have allowed the state legislature to ban abortion, um, I sat looking at the TV screen when the news broke, fucking stunned. Absolutely fucking stunned. Fucking Kansas. Redder than red, Kansas. Turnout for the primary also soared above usual levels on Tuesday. Maybe because this was on the initiative. Maybe because Republicans in Kansas were trying to hide this question on a uh, a midterm primary ballot where turnout is usually pretty low and it's usually pretty conservative. In some counties, it was closer to the uh, participation level seen in presidential elections. More than 900,000 people voted with a 59% voting uh, voting uh, 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 to reject the amendment. That's amazing. 60% in Kansas said, fuck you, you're not banning abortion. Now, how can this be that this wound up on the ballot? Well, the Kansas Supreme Court actually protects abortion. So the, the legislative, uh, legislative bodies in Kansas can't just pass a law banning abortion because it would violate their own state's constitution. So it got taken to the people in a ballot initiative. And as I said, the Republicans tried to hide it in a, a, primary, a midterm primary where people typically don't turn out uh, to vote. And the people who do turn out to vote are, once again, conservatives. voted to reject the amendment. The in-person early vote, which tends to favor Democrats, was nearly 250% higher than the last primary midterm election in 2008. The number of mail-in ballots doubled. And this is why your vote matters. This is why I keep screaming about making sure you get your ass to the poll and exercise your constitutional right to vote. What does this vote tell us? It tells us one of two things, okay? One, either there are a lot more Democrats in red states that don't come out to vote normally because they they believe that it's a foregone conclusion that their state's going to be read, but if you put something like this on the ballot, they sure as fuck are going to show up to make sure their voices are heard. Or, even moderates and Republicans are like, you guys crossed the fucking line when you took bodily autonomy away, and we're not down for it. Either way, it should be a warning to the Republican Party heading into the November midterm elections. This midterm no matter how hard the Republicans try, is no longer about the economy. 
It's not about how much gas is. It's not about how much groceries are. It's not about how much the price of housing is. It's not about how much the price of building materials are. It's not about anything, economically speaking, anymore. This is about bodily autonomy. The overturning of Roe v. Wade just set the entire midterm on its head, and Kansas is a prime indicator of that. You have pissed the people off. You finally got what you wanted. You overturned Roe v. Wade, and in doing so, you have pissed the country off, and they are fucking coming for you. They're coming for you. New poll was released yesterday. It says 54% of Americans right now believe that the uh, levers of power in Congress would be better if uh, better served if they were uh, controlled by uh, Democrats. I, unless you're a political nerd like me, that's probably not going to mean too much to you. But listen to what I'm saying to you. This is a midterm in which the Republican Party should historically speaking, wipe the fucking floor with the Democrats. It should be, historically speaking, a red wave. Republicans should be taking back the House and the Senate. In, 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 ele- in midterm elections like this in the past, the party not in power sweeps into the, party, in, into the uh, 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 position of power in such dramatic fashion that we're talking about a 100 to 200 seat swing when you look at this year's election it is not unheard of to see that map and go republicans should probably take the house uh by flipping about 250 seats in total i bet they're the democrats are going to hold on to the house now that's how pissed people are if the Democrats are able to eke out minor wins with minor, major wins with minor um, uh, majorities in each chamber of Congress, it's going to be one for the record books. Because that shit doesn't happen. Then again, it's not every year that you get your bodily autonomy stripped from you by the highest court in the land. So, I... It, Take that for what it's worth, jot it down and throw it in my face in November, do whatever you got to do. But it is my, my belief that the midterm elections are going to entirely be about Roe v. Wade, and there are far more people out there pissed off than the Republicans realize, and there are people that are pissed off in their own fucking party. Because it was always like, okay, they're going to talk about Roe. And yeah, we don't like uh, uh, the fact that people have abortions, uh, but God damn it, we're not. You, you, you're talking about my body too. You're telling me that I don't get to make a choice about my body? No, no, no. This is a whole different ball game now, a whole different ball game. And when you combine the fact that um, ga- gasoline prices are coming down, oil prices are tumbling. We're starting to see a tabling off and a, and a reduction in home prices. By the time we get to the November election, we're going to be back to paying closer to what we've been paying for the, for the previous few years for our goods and services. 
Now, we're going to be starting to feel some economic pain as well, but we're not going to be paying $5 a gallon. We're not going to be paying $10 a pound for meat. We're not going to be paying this. We're not going to be paying that. You combine that with the fact that people's bodily autonomy was taken, and they are just going to throw the economic conversation right out the fucking window. Right out. Debates this fall are going to center around where Republicans stand on bodily autonomy. I think the Republicans know just how bad they fucked up. And they are shitting their pants right now. And rightfully so. Excuse me, I gotta wet my whistle. Oh. So good. So good. Now, I would like to dive into a non-political story uh, that we're going to talk about for a little while here to wrap up this week's podcast. Uh, But before I do, I'm going to need to take a hit off of this doobie. And wherever you are, unless you're driving or at work, uh, uh, do the same, okay? We're going to jump off of politics for a minute. We're going to get a nice little buzz going. We're going to have a conversation here, okay? Hang on. What do you think? Should I do some uh, ASMR videos? Give me one of them, uh, them sensitive microphones and just sit in a room all day, real close to the mic. Luke, I am your father. Anyway, what is it non-political that I want to talk about? Well, obviously based on the fact uh, that uh, w- uh, what time of year it is, based on the fact that it is August 5th. Uh, I would like to talk about the days between, which we are smack dab in the middle of. The days between is uh, a period of time on the calendar between August 1st and August 9th that has become, for lack of a better way of putting it, a holy week for deadheads. August 1st, uh, for those of you not immersed in the world of the Grateful Dead, was Jerry Garcia's birthday. As a matter of fact, this year, on August 1st, Jerry would have been 80. Which is really hard to believe, uh, given how far back I go with this... uh, with this particular band. Uh, And August 9th is the anniversary of Jerry's death. Now, The Days Between is actually the name of a Grateful Dead song. Um, It was first performed, I believe, in 93, uh, first performed live in 93. It's been performed 41 or 42 times live in total before the passing of Jerry. for whatever reason, it was always in the second set, and it was almost always coming out of drums. Now, a lot of people are going to go, well, what the fuck is drums? Um, in, in Grateful Dead concerts, you'd have a series of songs. You'd have uh, uh, some funky space-sounding jam, which they call space. 
It's actually on multiple live records listed as space. And then they have drum solos. And that's listed on live albums as drums. Uh, the Grateful De- Dead is a band that, if you didn't know it, uh, had two drummers. Uh, the band's lineup, for the most part, consisted of a keyboardist, a guitarist slash lead singer, a guitarist slash sometimes lead singer, a bassist, and uh, bassist and two drummers. And the two drummers would uh, do lengthy drum solos. And coming out of drum solos is when you would typically hear uh, the song "The Days Between." But as is the case with many things in the world of Grateful Dead. The name of the song becomes part of the community and something within the community uh, itself. For example, the Grateful Dead have a song called uh, Shakedown Street uh, about a street in Los Angeles, I believe, or, or, or Hollywood, wherever it was, where you could get anything you wanted. It was Shakedown Street. Well, at every Grateful Dead show, there's a, there's a stretch of the parking lot where the people who are selling shit set up their tents, their booths, their tables. This one's selling tie-dye. This one's selling, selling peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. This one's selling bumper stickers. This one's selling ponchos. And that has become known as Shakedown Street. <clears throat> the Deadheads, the community, took the name of the song and just associated it with this area of the parking lot. Another example... Uh, there's a great song by the Grateful Dead called I Need a Miracle. Uh, Bobby really belts out the lyrics in I Need a Miracle, uh, no matter what version you're hearing. It's, it's fantastic. Well, um, many times back in the day, people would show up to Grateful Dead con- uh, a concert parking lots with no tickets, and they would be looking for tickets to buy. But in some cases, they wouldn't have any money, and they were just looking for a miracle. Maybe somebody would come along and miracle them a free ticket, which happened quite often back in the day, I might add. And so they would hold signs saying, I need a miracle. Once again, a title of a Grateful Dead song gets incorporated and woven into the fabric of the Grateful Dead society, the Grateful Dead world. This is another instance of that. Uh, Deadheads have taken the title of the song, The Days Between, and have used it to identify... Uh, the period of the calendar between Jerry's birthday and Jerry's death, August 1st through August 9th. So there's a good chance that on your various social media outlets, you're going to see some of the more crunchy people who you follow post a lot more Jerry Garcia stuff. And not necessarily Grateful Dead stuff. It might be Jerry Garcia band uh, music. Remember, Jerry had multiple other projects outside of the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead being, of course, the one he was known for the most. You're going to see a lot more posts. You're going to see a lot more celebration. Um, It is a period of time in which deadheads celebrate the life of Jerry Garcia, mourn the death of Jerry Garcia, and reflect back on what Jerry built. Because it wasn't just music. He didn't just leave behind a catalog of music. Yes, he left behind an incredibly large catalog, and depending on your tastes, an incredibly good catalog of music. 
but he built something beyond the music. Deadheads were not just a fan base. They were a family. It wasn't just, we're going to go see a couple of concerts. It was a way of life. Literally. You had a lot of people that had jobs and then took a couple of months off and went and followed the dead or took the summer off and went and followed the dead and then went back and got a job. Uh, You had people that maybe just... I knew some people from Chicago like this. Maybe just traveled to go see the shows in the Midwest. And we're going to take a couple of weeks. We're going to go see one in Minneapolis, one up in Milwaukee. We're going to see the one in Chicago, the one in Indy, so forth. One over in Detroit, whatever the case may be. And then you had people that just dove head first into it like my dumbass. Well, no, we don't need to have a job. <laughs> Legal tender? Shaw. A roof over our head? Overrated. So people during this period of time, the days between, reflect on what was. I know I look back and think about the manner in which I lived my life for a period of time and think, Well, I think a couple of things. I think, man, that was fun. Man, I got to see a lot of shit. And, man, how the fuck did I survive that? I I would not trade what I have now for anything in the world including being able to go back to that lifestyle I wouldn't trade what I have now for anything but I will tell you that that was an incredibly exhilarating time in my life an incredibly fun time in my life an incredibly enjoyable time of my life that turned out to be extraordinarily formidable. Uh, it, it, it was a major force in who I was, how I turned out. And I make no bones about the fact, I don't, I don't try to deny the fact that Uh, the fucked up upbringing that I had as a very young boy was most likely responsible for driving me into the arms of this community. I was out there looking for the family I didn't have. I was raised by an abusive mother and a father who was working all the time, who was fucking gone all the time. You know, I had been taking care of myself since I was 15 years old and and this was a group of people that took me in 
It was a group of people that didn't give a shit what color your skin was. It was a group of people that didn't give a shit if you were a man or woman, straight or gay. They, they didn't fucking care where you came from, what your education level was. They gave a shit about one thing, and you'll hear it said often with deadheads. And if you've had any interaction with deadheads, at some point in time, you've heard this. Are you kind? That's the question, right? That's the question that would get asked. You know how when you would meet somebody for the first time or when you were younger, you, you might get asked, so, man, you cool? Are you down with the program? You know, whatever you got, whatever you see going on here? The deadhead version of that would be, are you kind? You hear it mentioned in song from the Grateful Dead. Oh, oh, what I want to know is, are you kind? That's all they wanted to know. Are you a kind enough human being that if you're accepted into this family, into this community, into this world, that you're going to treat others with respect? And that's, oddly enough, what happened. I say oddly enough because if you follow me for any period of time, you know that I come from pretty racist and sexist backgrounds. And I carried a lot of that racism and sexism into my adulthood. But in that realm, I wasn't. In that realm, I, I didn't look at my fellow deadheads that were people of color and think less of them. They were all an equal part of that community. Everybody was an equal cog in the wheel. And it was really an amazing thing that happened in that traveling nomadic community that was the Deadheads. Every walk of life was able to come together and peacefully coexist and create a community. You could get whatever you needed to survive in the parking lot of a Grateful Dead show. It was a full community. These people are making clothes. These people are making food. These people are making drinks. These people have medical experience, experience and, can, and can help you out if you're sick. Everything that you needed was on lock. And nobody judged anybody else. And that's what people look back on and remember as being something that Jerry was instrumental in building. Because at the end of the day, while all of the members of the Grateful Dead are legendary within the community themselves while all of the members of the Grateful Dead are important to the band equally to one another the one that stood out in the eyes of the world was Jerry because he was the patriarch of the family and so all of that that was built back in the day was in some way, shape, or form, 
always traced back to Jerry. What Jerry managed to build. And so that's what we find ourselves in right now, as we do every year at this point in time. When you're seeing your hippie friends start talking a little bit more about the Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia, and they start saying things like the days between. That's what they are. They are the days between Jerry's birthday on August 1st and Jerry's death on August 9th. And I talk about this on my Patreon podcast uh, this week. And the stuff that I typically talk about on Patreon, I don't talk about over here. And most of what's on my Patreon podcast, I'm not going to talk about over here. But this is something that I talked about in my book, on lives on Facebook, on other videos on TikTok. Um, So it's not something that's hidden. And it's part and parcel to this conversation. My entire life, as I know it right now, is dependent on Jerry's death. I was, I was full into it. I, I was nomadic. That was it. I was totally and utterly content with never having a real, quote-unquote, life. You're going to get a job, you're going to get a house, you're going to pay taxes, you're going to have a couple of kids, you're going to go on some vacations, you're going to do the things that people do. I was like content with never having that. I was content with moving from state to state to state to state to state for the rest of my fucking life in perpetuity, uh, being in constant motion. That all changed. August 9th, 1995. With the death of one person. Because that one death meant that the band that the traveling society was attached to would no longer be touring. See, the Grateful Dead never toured in support of an album, right? They didn't put out an album, you know, like Metallica put out Master of Puppets, and then they went on the, uh, 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 or, um, and Justice for All, my apologies. Metallica puts out and Justice for All, and then they went on the Damage Justice Tour. That's, I say that one because that's the tour that I saw Metallica. They did a tour in support of that album, and then they toured the United States and Europe and Asia, and when that was all done, they stopped, they went back to the studio, they made another album. That's not what the Dead did. The Dead did a summer tour, the Dead did a fall tour, the Dead did a winter tour. They just kept touring. They didn't tour in support of any album. They were seasonal, never-ending tours. So it allowed this nomadic community to have something to follow. Well, when the band ended, there was nothing to follow. The traveling community all of a sudden ceased to exist. Quite a lot of people said, well, we can, we can start following Fish or Dave Matthews you know, down the road. But none of that's the same. And so upon hearing about Jerry Garcia's death on August 9th, 1995, there was mourning, there was sadness, 
There was uh, a coming together of the family that was the Deadheads in cities across the country and across the world, really. But there was also a realization that life as we knew it was over. (laughs) That was it. What are you going to do now? Eh, Figure something out. You better get a fucking job. Which is what I did. Got a job doing landscaping and getting laid off in the winter. And for those first two winters, we did what we did. We landscaped all summer. We got laid off in the winter and we fucking took off and went south. But it wasn't the same. We're just kind of wandering aimlessly. Just spending our money driving around the Gulf Coast until it was time to come back to Chicago in the spring and go back to work. And then I met my wife. And then I got married. Then I started having kids. And getting promoted. And getting a salary. My God. Somebody gave me a fucking salary. Not even an hourly wage. A salary. We're going to pay this to you each and every week, no matter what. And boy, I thought I it, it was the shit, too. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I thought it was the shit. Wait a minute. You're going to give me $50,000 a year and, and health insurance and a company truck? And some paid vacation and a, a matching 401k. I thought I had hit the fucking lottery. When in actuality, the lottery that I hit was my family. It wasn't the jobs. It wasn't uh, any salary that any of them could have ever given me. It was the fact that I was able to establish what I had always wanted and without realizing it was out there seeking on the road. A family. My parents got a divorce when I was eight. My dad went through two more stepmoms. My mom went through one more stepfather. Uh, To say it was a broken home would be an understatement and an insult to broken homes everywhere. And here I was with a normal uh, well-adjusted woman that wants to spend the rest of her life with me and, and make a family with me. When the fuck did that happen? And within a few years, a few short years, not even five, I don't think, I went from sleeping in a tent and hitchhiking across the country 
to being in a recovery room holding my daughter. While standing next to my mother-in-law and sisters-in-law. When they say, life comes at you fast, in Ferris Bueller's day off, they weren't fucking joking. So, everything I have, my wife, my kids, my career, the, the content I make on social media, the books I've written, this fucking podcast, all of it, is because of the death of one man. And all of it is, ironically enough, because of the death of one man when it happened. The last show is for the Grateful Dead were at Soldier Field in Chicago. Summer of 95. So when they went on break before the next tour, because we were from the Chicagoland area originally, we just stuck around Chicago. Well, we'll hang out here for a while. Do some odd jobs here and there. We'll get we'll earn a little bit of money and we'll get ready for the next tour. We'll be we'll be out of your hair in a in a couple of months. We're just going to hang loose for a couple of months. It could have been anywhere. It literally could have been San Francisco was the last show, and we were hanging around Frisco, and Jerry died, and I would have been a resident of San Francisco, most likely. Could have been Eugene, Oregon. It's amazing to think of the perfect storm of events that have to come together in order for you to be where you're at right now. I didn't do the traditional thing. I didn't graduate high school, go to college, meet, get a job, meet a gal, get married, have, have kids in a house. I didn't take that route. And because those first two winters, after I got off of, uh, of, of traveling, I would travel. <laughs> we would go down to Florida and fuck up our car and do this and do that and, and make asses out of ourselves. Because I was still doing that, my father and stepmother at the time, Jojo, were convinced that this wasn't going to hold. He's going to take off. He's going to be gone at some point in time. Who the fuck knows where he's going to wind up? Till I showed up at their house one day with Renee. And boy, oh boy, let me tell you something. Uh, if they could have taken her to a different room that first time they met her and, and, and had me wait outside while they talked to her and, and, and had a chance to talk to her one-on-one, they would have sat her down and went, what is it going to take to get you to marry this guy right fucking now? Like they they bought into Reneeism, day fucking one. This is gonna settle this motherfucker the fuck down, and it did. Look at me now. I am an old, gray, worn out indoor cat, ladies and gentlemen. I can't even bring myself to sleep on the couch. I need me a big bed with a couple of pillows.
My oh my, how times have changed. So, if you're uh, part of the Grateful Dead community, you already knew about the days between and you've already been celebrating, so continue to celebrate accordingly. If you're just mildly into the Grateful Dead and you were curious, now you know what this part of the calendar means to us and you could uh, look to celebrate accordingly. And if you're just not into the dead, but you want to be respectful of your friends, just a suggestion, try them again. Sit down and listen to Cornell 77, Europe 72, The Closing of Winterland, Downhill from Here, uh, 89, Just go try them again without any expectations and just give it a whirl. Listen, it's not for everybody. I get it. Jerry himself said that the Grateful Dead are like black licorice. The people that don't like black licorice really don't like black licorice. But the people who like black licorice really fucking like black licorice. They're just not for everybody. But if there was ever a time in which you know, you were kind of thinking maybe you'd give him another chance, if there was ever a time to actually give him that other chance, this is it. The days between is the perfect time to maybe step onto the bus. Doesn't matter that Jerry's gone. There's still room for everybody on the bus. All right? That's all I got for you guys this week. Um, I want to remind you guys of a couple of things. One, go see the website. Uh, Two, click the links in my profiles. If you're on TikTok, hit that link. Look at all the links up and down. Make sure you follow me on all the various social media sites. Uh, Let's take a look at the schedule. Next week, uh, I would be recording on Thursday the 11th to air on Friday the 12th definitely see a podcast episode there the following week uh looks like i would be recording on the 18th to air on the 19th definitely recording there Uh, my kids go back to school on the 17th the following week we'll have to see what comes about i would be recording on the 25th um the 25th is chock full of activities for me including a dentist appointment for my son Um, some sign-ups that need to happen starting that day, uh, my grandchild's birthday, and my wife's birthday. Which is something that I need to continue to remember to to announce. At the beginning of the show, I talked about how there was a reason to drink because this, 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 and it was my wife's birthday month. It's also the birthday month of one of my grandchildren. It's very new to me, and as a result of that newness, I sometimes forget. That's on me. I promise I will work on that. Um, My point being uh, about that week is I don't know if there's going to be a podcast that week or not. I'm going to have to let you guys know about that. I don't know what we're going to be doing. And then the following week, we're going into Labor Day weekend, and I definitely want to do a podcast heading into Labor Day weekend. So uh, check in with me next week for a new episode. Check in with me for the next couple of weeks for new episodes, but just keep in mind that that week of August 25th might, might result in no podcast. 
Okay? All right, guys, listen. We're getting there. We're getting closer to cooler temperatures. We're into August now. This is the hottest month of the year for us around here. The beginning of September is a little hot as well. We're getting there. Month and a half, two months, we're going to be into some cool temperatures, and we're going to put this fucking miserable season behind us. Just stay cool for another month and a half to two months, okay? All right. I will see you guys next week. And until then, as always, stay grateful.